grab a Dole Whip and join us in the small world of Disney Park fans. and welcome back to Phanthropological. My name is Nick G. I want to thank you for returning to listen once again as we take a deep dive into another fandom and I'm, I really am craving a Dole Whip now after learning what they are. <laughs> but here with me to talk about the world of Disney are my two best friends, Nick T. Join me at Epcot where we can venture into the world of tomorrow. And Nick Z. You mean I can finally come on the ride now? It's only been about, what? Two hours? <laughs> no, you're in the deluxe line now. Ugh. Fast pass. Fast pass? And uh, special guest today on the show, joining us from the Ride Rehab podcast, Tyler Spooky Man. Tyler, thank you for joining us today. Yes, hello. Today I'm going to be showing you how the five senses help trigger your imagination. <laughs> and that's a real line from a ride. Oh, Holy crow. I, I have further <laughs> questions. <laughs> oh we'll talk all about journey into imagination with figment i'm absolutely sure of it oh i was okay yeah we will come back to that i only read a little bit about <laughs> that and i'm just generating more questions <laughs> but let's set those that aside for a second if you're listening to this podcast and you do not know anything about disney theme parks i don't know if i can help you but i can get us off on a small tiny little foundation that we can all collectively build on top of with fandom facts A very brief history lesson. Walt Disney Parks and Resorts officially, uh, Walt Disney Parks and Resorts Worldwide, and informally known as Disney Parks, was one of the Walt Disney Company's four major business segments and a subsidiary. The company was responsible for the conception, building, and managing of Disney theme parks and vacation resorts, as well as a variety of family-oriented leisure enterprises. It was founded in 1971 following the opening of Walt Disney World in Florida. It consists of approximately 11 theme parks, or I guess 10, because one's opening in Shanghai? It's already open. So. It's already open. It's 11 now. There you go. For this episode, as usual, I tried to look into search data because we don't know how popular things are, if they're getting more or less popular. And this was a bit tricky. I looked up Disneyland, Disney World, and Disney Parks. The only one that didn't have a significant amount of data was Disney Parks. Disneyland and Disney World were super popular. Hmm. Interestingly enough, Disneyland, pretty much the same interest since 2004, which is as far back as Google Trends data goes. It hasn't really spiked or changed. It's very seasonal. In January, it goes up, and over the year, it goes down, and then it spikes up in January every single year. That's odd. <laughs> yeah, well, this, this might make more sense to you, because it doesn't make any sense to me. Disney World was more popular in 2004 than it is now. Huh. Like, the interest that in it has steadily gone down. I don't know if that's because there are other places in the world that you can go to get your Disney fix. Interesting. I mean, yeah, there's tons mm -hmm. of other parks. You mentioned there's 11. So, yeah, there's tons around the world. I, I can't, I'm trying to think of, like, an important date in Disney history in 2004, at least for Walt Disney World. Oh, I, I, sh I should clarify that we use 2004 because that's literally as far back as Google will give us information. For. Right, yeah. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> Let me, like, look into that. <laughs> yeah. 
No, that's our favorite part of the show. We always do research on the air unintentionally. (laughs) That'll give me a moment to to continue on with a couple other things that I found about that. There's apparently an east-west divide in the United States, which I guess shouldn't be super surprising. (laughs) Namely, people are more likely to look up Disney World if they're in Colorado or east of Colorado. That makes sense. Like basically half the country that's closer will go. The top 10 countries that search for Walt Disney World are, not surprisingly, the United States by a large mm-hmm. margin puerto rico by a large margin that makes sense canada and it drops off pretty dramatically there <laughs> united kingdom ireland argentina australia norway south africa and mexico so a lot of english-speaking countries uh you know neighbor of the united states yeah. uh surprisingly not japan france china uh you know places that also have disney parks i don't know why that is maybe with the uh, advent of disney shanghai our good friend Singapore will get back on there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about Singapore. <laughs> Never forget about Singapore. Did you find it, Tyler? Or Dre? <laughs> have you unlocked the mystery? No, I didn't find anything. I'd have to go like into a lot of detail for like this year in Disney Park <laughs> history <laughs> oh, to be wow. able to sort of find that. Because they don't show you like Wikipedia doesn't show you like by date which rides opened when. So, I mean, I could continue to look while we're no, talking because I'm super curious about that now. But it's probably just... <laughs> It was always high, and then it went low, and then 2004 is sort of like the earliest date that they started tracking it. That's probably the most likely situation. Yeah, that could be. And I mean, that's not to say that it's not popular, just to say that people are searching for it less. I guess they know where it is. Yeah, At least on Google. <laughs> yeah, at least on Google. Maybe they're looking at it for it on Bing. Who knows? Late breaking <laughs> news. Disney Shanghai. Singapore is the number two country. Ah. Sorry, what? Singapore is the number two country, and and, and who's oh, for Disney Shanghai? <laughs> okay, I got to get him in here. Got okay, <laughs> I see. Sometimes we try to estimate the size of like how many fans are there. Uh, we did a previous episode on Disney, and that was talking about Disney as Disney, the giant mega. Yeah, the whole company. Yeah. So this time I tried to hone it down to parks, uh, and that's very hard to look at because you either have to look at data from disney which they hold close to their chest or just a bunch of like weird proxies so i looked at subreddits Mm -hmm. there's a disney parks subreddit a disney bound subreddit and a walt disney world subreddit disney parks has about ten thousand subscribers disney bound has about two thousand and walt disney world has about sixty thousand so it's probably fair to say that the number of like dedicated fans of going to the parks is in the tens of thousands but that being said, the Magic Kingdom alone in Disney World gets over 56,000 guests a day. Wow. Well, you can absolutely track like the number of people that go to the parks. Because you talk specifically about the fandoms themselves and where people come from. Disney parks have these even more branching sort of subcategories. Like, I'm assuming with Disney, if you just look that up in general, it would be we have people who have never heard of Disney, people who have watched disney movies and then you have the people who are like diehard disney fans but with with disney parks there are people who specifically go to the parks just to go disney bounding you have bloggers you have food bloggers you have what (laughs) disney vacation club members we'll talk about all this kind of stuff okay you have you have have people who specifically go every single day like annual pass holders like there's such a much bigger breakdown of people who visit the parks and the reasons why 
like i will we'll talk about it okay. <laughs> this whole show is going to be us saying we'll talk about this <laughs> but you have people who go to the theme parks and don't even go on rides like there's just such a, a division of the kinds of fans who go to the theme parks sounds like my kind of person <laughs> <laughs> not a ride fan the challenge with this is saying we'll talk about that is that half the time we forget to talk talk about oh we'll, we'll talk about it okay okay keeping cool. keep notes up here tyler knows how to draw the listener in yeah yeah okay i also very briefly managed to get some sort of demographic information but it's kind of broad from an article from orlando rising uh titled theme park demographics changing higher incomes and more millennials they had to say the average household income for guests at theme parks was eighty six thousand. contextually that's not interesting except that they further elaborate and say that's twice the forty three thousand that residents in greater Orlando bring home and above the 55,000 median income across the states. The report also found that 18 to 29 year olds are the largest group of theme park visitors at 46%. Oh, it's bigger than I thought. Yeah. This generation was also the most impressed with technology with 59% saying it made them more likely to return and 44% say tech gadgets encourage them to stay longer. This was from back in, I think, 2016. So it's a couple of years out of date. Most of that sounds about right, though, mm-hmm. because the whole pricing of how the parks work means that local people don't need to spend as much money as people who are coming from, let's say, for example, this boy in Canada, yeah. <laughs> where you need to sort of make sure that you have insurance and you renew all your passports and you have to travel there. You have to stay on site at the hotel. You're probably going to need transportation while you're there or you use the transportation that's just built into the resort most of the time. I'm talking mostly just about Walt Disney World in general because that's sort of like my home park, as we call it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But yeah, people who are local, especially with Disneyland, Disneyland specifically is mostly locals because it's built sort of smack dab right around a large amount of attractions and existing schools and a lot of homes like people live right near the area or some points like with disney california adventure it's a park that's right across from disneyland and right across from like people's streets they live just behind roller coasters basically so there's a large number of locals but for the tourists that are coming they have a lot more money to pay because people who are local, they don't need to pay for hotels, which can be like as low as like $200 a night or as much as like sometimes like $800, $1,000 a night, depending on where you stay. Oh. It gets super pricey. So the people who are coming from further away, like let's say Canada, you said it was like a disposable income of like over 82 like yeah, a year yeah, or yeah. something. That sounds about right. I've been saving up for this vacation that I'm taking in September for like the past two years or so. So it takes a lot of money planning to be able to travel if you will have like an income that's like 40 or below, like what you said before. Hmm. This is like so technical. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) That's where we start. (laughs) Yeah, before we get into the discussion. I decided to look at Archive of Our Own. We often go there to take a look at fanfics and usually... Given the topic, that makes a lot of sense. This week is a little bit weirder, but I did decide to look for Disneyland anyway. Huh, I'm curious about it. And it turns out there are over a thousand fanfics that at least contain the word Disneyland. There are a lot of (laughs) fandoms visiting Disneyland. Yeah, I'd buy that. And I I don't think most of them are Kingdom Hearts, so that 
(laughs) (laughs) There is an existing book series called Kingdom Keepers, which is about kids who uh, turn into holograms when they fall asleep at night inside of Disney World and the park comes alive. What? (laughs) Well, they agreed to be like a holographic host, so their likeness is used. But when they fall asleep at night, they wake up as their holograms within the parks. And there's this whole, like, it's sort of like a war story. A lot of it's pretty magical and stuff, like Maleficent, obviously the villain, much like Kingdom Hearts, trying to take over the parks because she's not represented anywhere in the theme parks, except in the Phantasmic Fireworks show where she gets murdered every night. <laughs> so it's it's an odd book story, but it's it's specifically for, like, Disney fans or people to have that connection to the parks. So I can totally see there being a lot of fanfics just tagged with probably that book series. I feel like um, the new reboot uh, television series might have taken a little bit of inspiration from that. Oh, gross. That Can we <laughs> yeah. save that for a whole other show? <laughs> that's all that I had for fandom facts for this week because we're talking about something that's a little bit outside of our wheelhouse. Um, but we also have last week's Famous Last Words which were where we came up with a question or a statement about this week's episode before doing any of the research. We also had a famous last word from our guest, Emily, who was talking about uh, Pretty Heroes, an upcoming convention in Toronto. Her famous last words were, how many days does it take to get through Disney World? Uh, she said, all of it. <laughs> kind of. I mean, so let, let's break this down for people who don't know. At Walt Disney World, Disney, or let's start with Disneyland. Disneyland was sort of the first park that Walt had the vision for. And so there's Disneyland, which is kind of like the main park. And then right across from that park is Disney's California Adventure, which was originally a whole park themed around the state of California, which it was a terrible idea. And it is no longer completely like that. So there's basically those two parks. And then there's sort of like a shopping area where they have like hotels sort of built up Walt disney world is called disney world because it really is a gigantic plot of land we have the magic kingdom theme park the epcot theme park animal kingdom theme park hollywood studios theme park you have more than 30 different hotels each with more than like 20 different buildings in each hotel sort of block like it's a whole hotel resort then you have the two theme parks blizzard beach and Typhoon Lagoon, as well as Disney Springs, which is like a huge shopping area, and then a ton of other, like there's mini golf. They have a bunch of like sort of boats that you can take around the resorts. They have their own bus and monorail system. It really is gigantic. So if you're the kind of person who's going to the parks (laughs) to go for like specifically the theme parks, those four parks, you could kind of do each one of those four parks in one day the wait times for rides or to watch some shows because shows sort of act the same way where you have to wait for like the next show time or showing or wait in the lineup for it because they go continuously it means that you're going to be waiting in lines a lot but i've found that if you like select maybe like five ten things you absolutely want to do you could get through each park in a day but you can take more time if you need to like magic kingdom is a park you absolutely should do in two days there's so much stuff to see there there's so many shows and sort of like interactive things that you could do there that take up a lot of your time as well but if you also want to hit up like the water parks or you want to go to the shopping district if you're not going to do it the same day you go to a theme park then 
it's probably a good idea to do about six days, two days afterwards to relax or walk around or figure out what else you want to do within that area. So it just depends on how you want to run your vacation. From the sounds of it, and I, I get this impression through some of the other research you did, if you're going there, don't treat it like you're going to like like Wonderland or something. Treat it as if you are going to a new city. <laughs> oh, wow. Kind of, yeah. When they say it's Disney World, it really is a whole world. Walt Disney specifically bought gigantic, gigantic plots of land so that while you're in the theme park, you cannot see the outside world. Hmm. The The people who design the theme parks are called Imagineers, as in imagination and engineering. <laughs> and they meticulously build these specific areas of the theme park so that you can't see other parts of the park while you're in it. So like while you're in, let's say, Tomorrowland, you can't see any other part of, let's say, um, Adventureland. Like, you do not see them across the park. You can always see the castle, because that's sort of like the central hub part of that theme park, but they purposely did it that way so that you do not get obstructed by the outside world. You are within the worlds that they have built for you. And to that point, when you're in, like, the hotels, and it really is, like, its own universe. Like, the fact that they have their own bus transportation system. They have their own fire department that operates specifically for the parks itself like they essentially built a municipality mm -hmm. because they wanted to be able to govern their own land they call it the reedy creek improvement district <laughs> reedy creek was just one of like the areas of land that they bought and they did that so that if they ever needed to like file a, a permit they file it to themselves and then they approve it themselves <laughs> like that's how it works wow wow Walt Disney himself wanted to build a city of the future, which he called an experimental prototype community of tomorrow. That's what Epcot stands for, E-P-C-O-T. And he wanted to build a city to solve like transportation problems and, and like congestion and just like the way people live. And when he died, the Imagineers were like, what the heck are we going to do? So they turned that into Epcot, which is the theme park, which is sort of about innovation and science and technology. But he really did want to build a giant city. And that's kind of what it feels like today. I mean, a lot of that is accomplished. Like monorails at the time were not a very new thing. But for kids today, like they don't really know a lot of what monorails are. People in Toronto have no idea what a monorail is. Except <laughs> from Simpsons. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> or if they play like Planet Coaster or Roller Coaster Tycoon. Because those sort of exist mostly in theme park areas. Especially because of Disney building them for the parks. So the good news is that when Disney does eventually take over the entire world, <laughs> the trains will run on time. <laughs> the bad... I wouldn't say that. The Disney monorails, <laughs> the doors will just open randomly. <laughs> like, they're just very outdated. A lot of those transportation things are very outdated now. Hmm. The fan community of Disney is basically yelling to get new monorails because i think they've existed for over 20 years now like oh, wow. they haven't been switched out or replaced in a long time but guess who builds those monorails bombardier who builds the ddc uh, so of <laughs> course they're it's not going to be reliable or they won't be done on times so that's yeah. you could sort of expect that we're feeling a little bit of that here in uh, kitchener waterloo <laughs> as, as well so we we feel the pain yeah Brief little interlude. Thank you, Epic Film Guys, for joining us. And just to add on to your answer about Disney World, I decided to look up the distance because somebody has listed how far it physically would be just to walk the paths. You know, obviously you wouldn't be having a super enjoyable 
time because you're like oh i'm at disney world i'm just gonna speed walk through it i don't know walk at an average pace nope <laughs> yeah if you just take magic kingdom epcot hollywood studios and animal kingdom that's only about 14 kilometers so if you just walked that and you lined it up all end to end that's only 2.7 hours about an average walking speed but like mm. if you did that you wouldn't enjoy any of what, <laughs> what it has to offer oh i thought you meant like walking around the circumference of the resort oh no that'd be even larger that would be much 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 larger this is walking through the uh, the diameter. Yeah, or, sure. It's not a circle. None of it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it wouldn't actually take you very long if you could just walk the paths, but then you'd be missing the point of enjoying such a wonderful place. The most magical place on Earth, perhaps. I've heard it called. Oh, yeah. Everything there is so grouped together in a certain way. There's never, like, any space where you're walking in that isn't meticulously themed or has some kind of purpose to it like in magic kingdom the distance between rides is like maybe 10 or 20 feet before you get to the next one there's never like a long straight it's not like canada's wonderland where when you go from the water park to whitewater canyon there's just a giant walkway of dead space where there's nothing there it's not like that at all let's take a look at some of the other famous lost routes we had uh z sure you had asked, are Disney fans worried that the magic of the theme parks, I'm assuming you mean the Disney theme parks, yep. will be diluted by other franchises popping up? Uh, and I think this was in reference to like Marvel and other acquisitions oh, yeah. that Disney's had. Yep. So there's just this giant ongoing debate within the Disney fandom about intellectual properties or IPs. Mm-hmm. So Disney himself never wanted Disneyland or any of the theme parks to be a museum, meaning that it's not like Wonderland where Mindbuster is still there from opening day. <laughs> if no one was really going on it, they would replace it with something new. And Disney is always trying to like replace or update or, in the case of our podcast title, rehab existing attractions so they feel different. And so that every time you go, there's something new to see or do. But intellectual properties coming in a lot of people feel that they ruin the attractions for example mm-hmm. epcot is all science themed or innovation and entertainment and stuff like that so there used to be an area called the seas which was just themed to the ocean there's like a giant aquarium there is attractions there and like motion simulators and stuff like that that make you feel like you're in the ocean you can learn from it mm-hmm. eventually they replaced one of the undersea rides with the theme of finding nemo And it lost almost all of its educational value. And it was just the audio of, we've got to find my son. What's his name? (laughs) Shut up. Like, (laughs) it was just finding Nemo's popular. Let's shoehorn it into this this place. The thing is, it works because there's also an attraction there called Turtle Talk with Crush, where a 3D animated Crush, the turtle from Finding Nemo, comes up on a video screen and can actually talk and and is animated real time to talk to the kids in the little theater. Uh, which is incredible because you can actually learn a lot about turtles until someone's like, do turtles wear underwear? And then it's like, okay, well, that's not going to be educational. But they'll always try and steer it that direction. So intellectual properties coming in, a lot of people hate them. And a lot of people joke that Epcot is going to become Ipcot, intellectual property community of tomorrow. Hey-oh. <laughs> but the thing is, they've always been in the parks. Like, 
a long time ago, before Disney even bought Lucasfilm, there was always a Star Wars attraction called Star Tours. And it's amazing. And they also had Indiana Jones. At, people forget that there was like Power Rangers and the Ninja Turtles and a Goosebumps what? themed show in these theme parks. And like the ride Ellen's Energy Adventure is about Ellen DeGeneres falling asleep while watching an episode of Jeopardy that her high school rival, Jamie Lee Curtis, was on <laughs> and winning because she knew about energy. So Ellen DeGeneres falls asleep and wakes up in a nightmare version of Jeopardy, which actually had Alex Trebek in it. And <laughs> Bill Nye, the science guy, shows up to teach Ellen about energy. <laughs> this ride was open for like 20 years or something. And people... Oh, wow. Well, people complained about Ellen, but now it's being replaced with a Guardians of the Galaxy themed attraction. And the argument is, what does Guardians of the Galaxy have to do with with science and progress? And it's like, well, what did Ellen DeGeneres have to do with that? So there's always been sort of intellectual properties in the park. And people like to complain about them until Disney opens it. And then it turns out amazing. Like the ride Tower of Terror at California used to be themed to the Twilight Zone. You board an elevator mm. that's sort of like haunted. You go into the fifth dimension and then the elevator <laughs> drops up and down. It's sort of like the first elevator dropping theme park ride that a lot of other theme parks started copying afterward. And so they have chosen to replace it with Guardians of the Galaxy. And people are like, oh, you're closing Tower of Terror for, for Guardians? And then the ride opens and they're like, whoa. That was really good. And now it's one of like the most popular rides at the park. So people are going to complain <laughs> regardless. But when the actual ride opens, it's clear there was a lot of thought put into it and why they wanted to put it there. So I don't doubt that this Guardian's energy ride isn't going to be good. But people just want to complain about the thing that everyone else is complaining about now. And then when it opens, they'll be like, oh, I was right. It is great. <laughs> like it was the right <laughs> I feel like Netflix has already ordered 13 episodes of that Ellen ride. Oh, you you can watch. Um, there's this great YouTuber named Martin's Vids. He's put together just like documentaries of all, any attraction that existed and is gone now. This guy started oh, wow. filming Disney videos. If we're talking about the fandom of Disney parks, this guy started filming Disney videos like back in the 80s and filmed every little detail of every ride, attraction, and park. And so at this point, he can put them all together into these giant documentaries that are like an hour, hour and a half long. And they're so meticulously made and everything is so well detailed in them. You're like, this guy, even back then with like those giant camcorders, <laughs> had the idea of filming this thing. Like that just shows you the dedication that Disney Parks fans have in terms of like trying to capture the history of these places. But you can watch the entire Ellen's Energy Adventure show and i absolutely okay. recommend people do it because it's so corny and 90s and dated but the comedy is so good in it it's it's just ridiculous did that answer your one question that i mean <laughs> i'm just like regardless of whether or not it answers this question i'm loving this <laughs> like i am sitting in the audience of that jeopardy show right now learning so much from bill nye and ellen and jamie lee curtis i'm there oh i could take off on, on a tangent about that because you watch this like 10 to 15 minute pre-show movie which is on five different video screens all put together like they filmed it with five individual cameras and then 
they're like, well, you're about to go into Ellen's dream. And then you walk into this sort of movie theater and sit down in these seats. And then the theater itself starts spinning around and moving through the building. Like it's a moving theater. So you move through like a diorama of dinosaurs and it's all animatronics. And then you move to another movie theater and then another one. And then you're back where you started. It's, it was pretty cool. And at the time it was very innovative. Wow. Yeah. That's fairly insane. That absolutely answers the question. (laughs) <laughs> and next <laughs> i mean well, well let me ask sure. you guys a question Absolutely. so have, have any sure. of you like i'm because i live in a sort of disney world community where everyone from since they were kids had like vacation planning videos and they'd watch and be like oh my god we're going to disney world like it was a huge thing for them was that ever something that you had in your childhoods like people talking about this magical place like I have been to Disney World, I've been to Universal Studios, uh, I've been to Epcot, and my motivation, like, I don't remember why my parents decided to go, but I knew that I wanted to go to Epcot, because that is where Urkel was. Ah. (laughs) The TV shows, yeah! Yeah. Any ABC TV show had characters going to the parks and having, like, weird, wacky adventures. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember, like, really enjoying it. Like, I have no idea what was going through my parents' minds, other than, like, you know, it's Disney. You gotta you know, take your kids. Our grandparents would go down to Florida and stay there. It's like, oh, you can go visit them. You can do that. You can go to the parks. Uh, and I remember having a really good time. But like, I, I, I do not remember like having these big vacation planning. Oh, we're going to Disney World kind of moments. <laughs> it's just like, uh, oh, we're gonna go, and then you're, and then you're going, and then you're there. Like, it, it wasn't a big thing. It was just like, it's a vacation. Well, it, it was pretty big because i remember that more than many of the other vacations that i took as a child i remember that i went to the calypso resort whichever one that was i maybe they've repurposed that it was one of the the disney resorts around at the time i don't know maybe they changed that i think i've heard of every resort calypso resort well time to look this up yeah same uh (laughs) you know what how about uh... you continue z and we're gonna look this up sure sure well my research pretty much entirely corroborates tyler's points these ips seem to be at least mildly divisive within the fandom i was uh, snooping around reddit and a few uh walt disney world forums and the general consensus is there's one side that are like okay whatever disney is going to be fine no worries about diluting the magic of disney the other side's like oh but these new ips are not magical enough to fit in these Disney theme parks. The only thing I'd really add is that what seemed to be at stake for the people who were against these new IPs, like the Guardians of the Galaxy ride, or um, on a much smaller scale, a Tomorrowland dance party (laughs) with, like, wedding pop music instead of, you know, thematically proper music, I guess. Yep! That's not the only dance party, either. (laughs) Is that, you know these fans see these things as threats to the identity of Disneyland or Walt Disney World specifically. If you think about it in terms of like them being magical, I guess like Mm -hmm. back in the day, like all the Disney movies that were being put out that eventually did get put in the parks or stuff that was originally created for the parks. Magical is the word that describes it because they were all vaguely like fantastical yeah. I, I wouldn't really say that Tomorrowland is, like, magical, or anything at Epcot is, like, super magical. Well, but... but yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, I, I see what you mean, that, like, Guardians 
isn't re- it, it's not a magical sort of ride i mean <laughs> stuff happens that fits within like the disney magic sort of thing like yeah you're exactly. like oh my god how they do that sort of yes feeling yes. that very immersive feeling that a lot of people yeah. talked about all over the place everywhere i looked it was like oh the sound design in these parks is really good or you know the smells they pipe in really make you feel like you're part of the story you're part of that universe so i guess people don't like it when they're uh, in the middle of you know tomorrowland experiencing the future and then they hear uh, the latest Katy perry song from next door from some sort of dance party yeah that's about right <laughs> to answer your question tyler as i was obviously aware of it i saw several 90s sitcoms where they went to disney Yep. Disney probably land because they all filmed in LA, and you know I I've heard of it like like mainly on the periphery. Like there was that story that John Hodgman told in his podcast about seeing robots underwater and being terrified at the prospect <laughs> of there being robots underwater. That sounds like Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. <laughs> I think that's what it was. Man. And I did see the movie Tomorrowland. Oh hey! If you are a fan of Ayn Rand, you will love that movie. I, I actually really enjoyed that movie. That movie called Tomorrowland is is sort of more about like the sort of like Epcotty vibe that Walt Disney wanted. Yeah. It's uh, a lot of like personal exceptionalism. There's a deleted scene on the DVD where oh, where they're like it it was where that scene with Keegan Michael Key where he's like, they called it Tomorrowland and she's like, like the Disney theme park thing and she and he's like well sort of and i'm like why did they keep that in the movie they actually don't even mention the word tomorrowland until they get there after like oh, they, weird. they go fly through the portal mm. thing and i'm like oh, yeah, they never call it tomorrowland like ever in the first half of this film which was mm. kind of weird but i see why they took yeah. it out because yeah. they didn't want it to be directly connected to disney i've been like i know my fiance really wants to go and i'm keen i'm keen to check it out i'm not like I like a lot of stuff that's that's Disney or Disney adjacent, as as many do. But I think it's just like like seeing like oh they're turning this into Guardians. Like I get it, Disney's not a stupid company. Yeah, <laughs> they see where you know what will bring people in. I just want it like discounting other Disney parks. It sounds like there's there's nothing else that exists like it. It sounds absolutely incredibly immense on a ridiculous scale and held to like the highest standard. Mm-hmm. over the entire park and it sounds like an an incredible thing to see well sort of yeah back when walt disney like had the idea for a theme park theme parks didn't exist those two words didn't even exist together there were parks and there were amusement parks where people set up like sort of carnival kind of rides but walt disney looked at those and he's like where's the story mm-hmm. where's the family <laughs> And, and then he's like, what if there was a park where families could experience things together? And, and like, because he'd basically watch kids on a, on a merry-go-round and the parents are sitting off to the side. And he's like, why aren't, why aren't the parents on the ride with the kid? And, and that's sort of at the heart of all of those attractions is like, you can go on everything together. He just wanted to build like a park with like a merry-go-round and he wanted a train to go around it. And that was the original idea was just this really tiny lot next to like the Burbank sort of studios. And then it kept like his idea kept growing bigger and bigger. And then he's like, what if we built a mountain 
with a roller coaster going through it. And people are like, <laughs> Walt, you're you're crazy. And and then they made it. It was the first steel roller coaster. And there was two of them next to each other. Like these oh. things didn't even exist until he thought of them. He's like, what if we build a haunted house? <laughs> and the room stretches and they're like walt please stop and he's like you're gonna build it and they're like fine and then they figure it out like <laughs> almost everything in those parks came from especially magic kingdom and and disneyland was just walt disney being like what if we had bears that played instruments like it was, there was only <laughs> just absurd ideas that this one man came up with and, and it's not even about like theme parks like he wanted fantasia when he released that movie he's like what if what if we had more than two speakers on the wall in the movie theater? What if we had surround sound and movie theaters are like, we're not doing that. And he's like, well, I'm going to build a theme park and I'm going to build whatever theater I want. And that's where and that's why those parks have like these weird camera systems like that. Ellen's Energy Adventure ride has five video screens all next to each other. Or, or that newest ride, um, Flight of Passage, like the Avatar themed one. Mm. I'm sure we'll talk about Avatar. Mm. <laughs> just the projection system on that alone is like a marvel like it's gigantic you can't even see the edges of it and it it just immerses you so much and that's all part of like walt disney's vision of just i want to create a thing that just no one can see anywhere else like it's it's so unique and it is upholding that because a lot of people who design other theme parks they try and copy it but they just can't because they lack sort of that imagination for like can we do this? No, that doesn't exist. Okay, well then we'll just use whatever we have. Like, <laughs> that seems like how they sort of think of it most of the time. Or they reuse like existing technology. But Disney's like, we're going to create technology that lets people feel fireworks that are actually in the sky so blind people can feel what a firework show is like. And that's like, whoa, okay. <laughs> they are relentless. The more you keep talking, the more questions I have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to accept that we're not going to get to all the questions that I can think of in my head. <laughs> Someone should like cut me off or we'll do like a speed round or something. Like that. <laughs> okay. I'll try to keep things moving along. I, I'm going to skip over my question because it is either going to get discussed separately. Uh, it was, uh, what are some of the biggest Disney park failures? Oh, <laughs> I feel like there are YouTube videos dedicated to that. So I'm going to skip past that. There are, <laughs> but can I just say one quick thing? Yeah, please. Superstar limo was a limo ride through California where you saw celebrities who were like caricatures but made 3D and it was the worst thing ever. It's like, welcome to the ride. There's Regis Philbin. There's Uma Thurman. That was the whole ride. That's it. It watched the defunct uh. land video on Superstar Limo. It's one of the worst things in the world. That's all. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. All right. G, uh, it's up to you if you want to get to your question. It was, if you are doing a Disney-bound outfit, how close can you get? Well, ask a boring question and get a boring answer. <laughs> the answer is pretty close. <laughs> as far as I can tell, as long as you're not wearing a costume of the character, then it's pretty much fine. Okay. Or a costume that directly exists in the parks already. The thing is, Disney doesn't want other people being confused confusing you for an existing character mm -hmm. like um i wore pretty much the entire kingdom hearts sora cosplay that i had but i didn't have the belts and i didn't have the wig 
but that was still enough to look like Sora. Like they allowed me in with the tank top, the necklace, the jacket, and I put a red hat on to just emphasize that red color scheme that Sora has. But cast members greeted me as if I was Sora, which was pretty awesome. So <laughs> that's kind of neat. As long as you're not wearing like you can't bring a keyblade in, for example, or you can't bring. <laughs> yeah, you can buy like a lightsaber toy in the parks and then take that around with you. But if you bring like a fake sort of weapon, even if it's foam, they will tell you you can't bring it in. And so like no fairy wings and stuff like that, mm. unless you're a kid. Kids can literally wear whatever they want. <laughs> yeah, that's the <laughs> impression I get that it's because obviously, you know, you're there to be a kid. Yeah. I mean, also, I feel like that's a recipe for disaster. It's like, we want to create this this warm, welcoming, like fun, happy, magical environment. It's like, cool, kid, you can't wear those clothes. It's like, yep, that's, <laughs> that's a disaster waiting to happen. <laughs> Take off those fairy wings. That was it for Famous Last Words. Let's dive into the main discussion, and I'm just going to get right to the heart of it. What is it about Disney that is so magical? Because as you were talking, I was like, all right, but there's like Universal Studios. We even directly mentioned in this episode um, Wonderland. I'm not holding it up to the same standard, but like (laughs) those are other theme parks that exist. Why is it that Disney World is this one that's held up to a higher standard? Why are people so interested in that? and not the other theme parks. Why do people go to the theme park and not ride any of the rides? What is up with that? That sounds weird. (laughs) Why? The reason it's, it's such like a huge thing or the reason it Disney is like more magical. They have those movies and they, they treat those movies like they're, they're going to be like, we have to make this movie perfect it has to be like a family friendly film that anyone can watch, but we want people to watch it later. And that mentality they pass along to the parks itself. So a kid for like if let's put it in the perspective of a kid. A kid will watch Cinderella and watch the Cinderella two and three and those two movies also exist. Um <laughs> and they'll see like they'll watch Sophia. Sophia the first where Cinderella appears on that show as well this kid will grow up like watching Cinderella and being engrossed in this movie and this music and then step into this theme park where there's Cinderella's castle and it's real and you can go and meet Cinderella and she looks and sounds and acts exactly like the way she does in the movie and that is just gonna like that's gonna mean so much to that little girl that as even when she leaves the park, that's all she's going to be talking about. And like, I, I'm sure at some point she'll figure out that like, oh, that that was just like a person in a costume or something like that. But it's still like nostalgia is the sort of the key word there. It, it fits with that with that nostalgia. And then that girl's going to grow up and she's going to have kids of her own and she's going to show them Cinderella. And that whole experience sort of just keeps getting passed on. I don't think you can say the same about a lot of the other parks because they don't have those properties or that kind of mentality of we want this to be stuff kids will remember forever or families can do together. Like you cannot compare. And this is like the one time I'm going to swear you can't compare Beauty and the Beast to minions like no kid (laughs) is going to give eight. It's oh, there's there's a minion. That's like, Bananas. what could you possibly do to interact with that character? Interacting with a silent, 
Mickey Mouse is just going to be so much more iconic and memorable than whatever Universal has. Or like, let's take Canada's Wonderland, for example. They used to have Hanna-Barbera. That was sort of that main theme of the park. And then it turned into Snoopy. Like, yeah, all those properties kind of stand the test of time, but none of them are like as sort of timeless or innocent as like mickey mouse or any of these other properties that disney has but it also like disney cares or at least i believe disney cares about what they're making we always joke within the community of disney that disney just does this why are they doing this because money (laughs) why did they make pineapple churros because money but with the actual like rides and the shows like everyone always puts like a hundred and fifty percent into everything they're doing even the people who are like in costume or dancing in the background of a show like all those people care so much the people who work at the parks want you to have a good experience like the cast members will go out of their way to do whatever you want to make it memorable for like your kid or whatever or even with like us like we come off a ride and and i'm like i wish we could go again they're like do you want to go again is there just four of you right this way and they walk you back to the front of the line Whoa, like they'll wow. just do something like that out of the blue to make it a great experience for you wow i've never been to universal i'm absolutely going this september we're going for one day and we're going to do both parks like they're kind of doing it with harry potter where it's something yeah. people remember and they want to go see the thing that they know and and that world looks very immersive the way they're making it probably to go combat against disney but nothing else upholds like the same sort of family beliefs or nostalgia that disney does yeah no one's making those deep childhood connections to top gun for example <laughs> yeah no one cares about i mean tomb raider or remember cliffhanger like, all these all these rides are titled differently yeah Canada's Wonderland used to be Paramount Canada's Wonderland. Oh, yep. that was yes. the part that tied it in. So yeah. Tomb Raider and the Italian job stunt track and Cliffhanger, that movie with Sylvester Stallone on an avalanche or some, some shit like that. <laughs> Quite, yeah. I literally only remember them making fun of it in Ace Ventura 2, so <laughs> that tells you how much lasting <laughs> cultural cachet it had. Pretty much. But I do remember going to Universal Studios because I really wanted to see Doc Brown and ride in the DeLorean. Yeah. Nice. I mean, that's exactly what you're talking about. That's you know, yeah. getting somebody interested in something and then growing up with it. And I've now since seen many DeLoreans <laughs> at pretty much every Comic-Con <laughs> that is going on in the area. I would have loved to have gone on that Back to the Future ride. They totally could have kept that or updated it in some way. Like, they replaced it with The Simpsons. Oh. Like, yeah, The Simpsons was good. <laughs> I don't know if it still is from what I've seen. I mean, objectively, like, Metacritic scores have gone yeah. down. So if you go by that, it has actually gotten worse. And there's people who have analyzed that. That is a separate episode. We actually haven't done a Simpsons episode, so maybe that's worth revisiting yeah, oh, at some point. I've been waiting to do a whole season on the Simpsons, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Simpsons, Simpsons uh, yeah. shitposting, no, anyway. yeah, number one with a bullet. Um, I'm going to give one of the other next chance to ask questions, because I feel like I will just monopolize everyone's time. <laughs> Well, like the one one thing they talked about, we kind of talked about it a bit already, is like the overarching thing is like Disney is the buff and beyond. They're the most extra. <laughs> but like that sense of immersion was the thing that stuck out to me. Like the fact that you can't see any of the other parks when you're in one particular park. 
you are like inside the world. It's more complete escapism than possibly anywhere else in the world. Yeah, definitely. Especially with like we talked like a second ago about uh, the Avatar themed area. Like, who really cares about the Avatar movie? No one really. James Cameron. It. But <laughs> I mean, most of the people who go to that area of the theme park probably haven't even seen Avatar. But when you walk in that area, like even though you're supposed to be feeling like you're on another planet, you really are on another planet. They built the floating mountains from like the Valley of Moara and there's waterfalls coming off of it. And just the sound effects, like I've read a lot of Disney Imagineering books. And one of the things they say is that everything speaks, everything tells a story and every detail exists for a reason. If you walk into a place like Pandora, like, they thought of everything. They know the names of every single fictional alien plant that are there. And why that plant exists and how it connects to the real world and, like, what kind of plants we have here on Earth, for example. So you could, like, ask anybody anything about this area that you're in and they'll be able to tell you details. Like, why is that plane there? Oh, well, this plane was an RDA plane that was destroyed when when they attacked the Navi and all this kind of stuff. Like, they'll connect it somewhere. And, and it, Pandora is one of those really immersive areas. Just, like, the paving on the ground itself illuminates at night. And it, it, they there's, like, imprints of, like, boots and Navi themselves. And it's just, it, everything is just so beautifully carved out, like, the immersion factor for a place like that is incredible. And that's that's not like, it's not everywhere. Like Epcot, you don't really need to be immersed in anything because it's just sort of this sort of scientific area. Like here's a, here's a thing representing cars and this one's representing energy. Like there's not a lot of immersion there. But like the sound effects and when you're in the rides, like everything does make you feel you're in those places. Test Track is about going into a, a computer simulation so you can test a fake ride vehicle that you design when you're waiting in line <laughs> and the first moment your car drives through like this sort of red portal gate thing there's just like video screens and lights and sound effects all around you and in your car that you're riding in like everything is just so full of such detail like I made a joke earlier about Imagination Institute having, like, a joke about, oh, the five senses. Like, Disney really does hit all those senses. The ride Soarin', which makes you feel like you're sort of flying on a hand glider around the world. Like, they took three cameras sort of stacked on top of each other, so you get, like, a complete wide-angle lens. And they really filmed a helicopter flying over the Great Wall of China. So when you're on that ride and it sort of dives down, this screen is above you and in front of you and below you. They fly over like California and they sort of like pump in the smell of like hot dogs through like smell receptor. And they like there's wind constantly blowing at you. And then they put a smell in there and you're like, damn, I I smell like I'm really at this place, for example. (laughs) It's the the new ride based on the Incredibles has a part where someone's holding up like a cookie. And so they're going to pump in the smell of like chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> so you're like, oh, wow, that really smelled like that. I flew right past a delicious cookie. <laughs> so like everything gets sort of covered, like every sense from like you can even like touch things and they're interactive in Pandora. Like there are plants you, you sort of wave your hand over it or put your hand on it and it lights up and makes a sound when you touch it like. Everything is immersive and interactive in some way. 
and other parks really don't do that especially <laughs> like canada's wonderland there's no attention to detail like that there i'm appreciating the comparison to wonderland because <laughs> i've i've been there quite a few times so it it calls itself an amusement park because there really isn't like a whole lot of theming it's not like there's a themed area now it seems like it's no. moving into like a canada theme <laughs> like that california themed park like it's called canada's mm. wonderland let's make it canada here's a lumberjack statue <laughs> this here's a log ride that we now have put more logs in front of to make it look like it's a log ride <laughs> i would have leaned into the wonderland part but i guess disney owns that yeah yeah i mean they have like the license on now so wonderland or it's like public public domain i think Sell some of the public domain? I think it might be. I mean, they'd, they'd have license for like like what appears in their movie, though. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, published in the eighteen sixty, it is in the public domain. Yep. While we're uh, while we're confirming things, Calypso K Resort that you originally stayed at is uh-huh. not on Disney <laughs> property, but I got it mixed up. It was the All Music Resort, which has a Calypso. Oh, cool. All Star Music. Yeah. Yeah, because I I was like, no wait, it definitely was Calypso, and then I. I was like, wait, it was it's like Disney Resort that had a piano shaped pool, and it's like, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> oh yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Do they still have like the Tiki Room? Yep, the Enchanted Tiki Room is still a ride. That's one of those rides that Walt Disney had a hand in, and it turned into like they're like, oh, how do we get hip young teenagers <laughs> coming into this ride? They're like, well, what other oh, birds do we have? Iago zazu let's shove them in there and make it so they're running the tiki room now and it was called the tiki room under new management and everyone hated it because <laughs> there was sort of these classic songs like almost every ride has some kind of piece of music a score or a soundtrack or an original song that's written for it like it's a small world everyone remembers that it's written by the sherman brothers mm. and they wrote the music for mary poppins and like a ton of other disney things like People remember those songs because they're sort of part of these attractions. Like the Tiki Room has uh, in the Tiki 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 Room. Like that's such a catchy tune. Mm-hmm. And they removed like a bunch of the songs that were originally written for the show. But now it's back to the way it is because a mysterious fire burned down the animatronics <laughs> of, of Iago wow. and Sasu at some point. When... So they're like, well, we may as well switch it back to the way it was. Under old management. <laughs> that would be a great shirt that'd be a wonderful shirt idea trademark you guys make it (laughs) i watched a british documentary on the american obsession with tiki for like a couple years in the 60s where there were tiki bars everywhere oh yeah like it was really popular but nothing was really authentically polynesian or anything and like the only remnant of tiki culture is probably at disney world that was sort of like the age of beach movies though right like annette funicello films so yeah so like islandy party kind of things (laughs) yeah everyone's into it for like a little bit huh wow it is quite nice here under old management oh right hello everyone out there this is your main episode editor z lounging here in the enchanted tiki room to tell you that that's it for this week's episode. The entire Disney theme park recording is the longest we've done yet, and so we decided to make it a two-part episode. 
which I am very grateful for. So watch your podcatcher of choice next week for part two. And in that part, we'll find out who the people are who go to Walt Disney World but don't ride the rides, learn where the best food in Epcot is, and explore a Walt Disney World architectural phenomenon that keeps Instagrammers coming back for more. In the meantime, I'd like to thank Tyler Spookyman for joining us on this episode, and if you want to hear more of him talking about Disney theme parks, you should check out his show, Ride Rehab. You can find that program over at riderehab.com, or in iTunes, just search for Ride Rehab. Now, this show is fantapological, but the three core hosts are the NixCast, and as such, we are the NixCast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. So if you want to find us on any of those platforms, just search for the NixCast. And if you want to reach us more directly with episode ideas, guesting opportunities, or comments, you can email us at nick at thenixcast.com. Thanks so much for listening, and as I think they say, until next time, we'll see you next time. Bye. Dole Whip and join us in the small world of Disney Park fans. Did you enjoy the reactions that? that I like to hear? Did, did you enjoy that, Tyler? Because I'm he's he's got what he wanted from the other the rest of us. <laughs> oh yeah, that that absolutely worked. Great. That absolutely worked for a Disney intro. <laughs> Can you put that in at the end, Z? That him saying that it absolutely worked. I want proof. <laughs> <laughs> I can probably manage that.